The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the home for amazing pin collectibles with over 300 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code worth 10% off your next order at fansets.com. Fansets, our pins have character. A hollow nanny, another jailbreak, death by a dying star. How did the crew go so wrong on their first voyage aboard the protostar? Episode two allows us to learn some of the crew's idiosyncrasies, such as Murph's taste for the ship's furniture. So have the vehicle replicator make you a shuttlecraft and escape the gravity well. My name is Mike Bovia, and this is Discovering Trek Prodigy. Thanks for joining us on Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe Companion, presented by Fansets. Episode two of Star Trek Prodigy gave us a peek behind the curtain into Dal's psyche, and it wasn't a pretty picture. But we do get to learn a lot more about this wayward crew. And speaking of wayward crews, we are a crew of two aboard Discovering Trek Prodigy, but my co-host is anything but wayward. When she's not getting complimented by Star Trek creatives, she's busy not keeping her room clean. She's our superstar and my progeny, Emily. Emily, are you ready to counteract the non-clean room theory tonight? Um, no, but I really don't like you. <laughs> well, likes aside, why don't you tell everybody where they can find us online? You can follow the show on Twitter at Discovering Trek, and you can find us on Twitter at Trek Legacy, as well as on Instagram with the same handle. You can find us in Camp Kittimer from time to time. If you'd like to join the conversation there, answer a couple simple questions, and you'll be welcomed in by our admins, Haley, Jackie, and Fark. You can subscribe to the podcast by downloading the Trek East mobile app or by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. As we mentioned on last week's episode, the goal of Discovering Trek Prodigy is to get the viewpoint of the target audience for the show. So this week, we have our first guest that falls within that audience, beside you know the kid that is on here all the time. We welcome Blake Rogers and his dad, my co-host on The Divine Treasury, Jamie. And boys, how goes the evening and what did you think of of uh episode two here or how about the series as a whole what are you thinking of it uh i'm i'm good um before we get into details on everything let me provide that friendly reminder that this episode of discovering trek provides spoilers for the prodigy episode starstruck if you have not watched yet head on over to paramount plus and watch the episode then come back and listen to us here on discovering trek Failure to do so leaves you open to spoilers. All right, Em, time for your six-sentence synopsis of the episode, so lay it on us. The protostar crew meets their holographic mentor, Catherine Janeway, and she teaches them about the Federation and what it means to be a team. 
Dal claims the captaincy for himself and instructs the crew to travel as far away from the Federation as possible in Lock Gwen and the brig. Dal's fateful course puts the protostar within the gravity well of a dying star, forcing him to make decisions that affect systems across the ship, allowing Gwen to escape. Rocktock and Gwen chase each other through a vehicle replicator until gravity is lost on Gwen's command. The loss of gravity pushes Dell to call on Janeway for assistance, giving Rocktock the chance to capture Gwen. Dell chooses to follow Zero's advice, leading the protostar to escape certain death. Thank you for that synopsis. So now that we've gone over what is actually in the episode, uh, M, why don't I start with you? What are some of your thoughts, the things that you liked, maybe some of the things you disliked from, from this episode? Well, as I said, I'm going to probably mention this every episode, but it's not exactly the same as what I said last time. Um, you can already tell that from the first episode, the animation has gotten better. It's something that happens in all shows, whether or not it's animation. The script is better and the production quality is better because the first episode is always a, um, I don't remember what it's called. What's it called? Pilot? Yeah. The the first episode is... <laughs> The first episode is always a pilot, and it's ironic that I forgot that because we're talking about a show that has a ship in space. Um, but I really liked, I, I really liked that. Um, it was really interesting to see how it stepped up from the second episode, and this is something that's probably going to sound really. Not something that a normal person would say, probably, but I noticed that in terms of the art, again, the shading, it looked... <laughs> wow. Go for it. What about the shading? Let, let's, make you, let's make you some friends in the animation department at Nickelodeon. Um, I'm a big fan of rough brush shading, which is where it's a lot, it's not the same as when you go in with a softer brush and it kind of like blends together. It's a lot more noticeable and it's really, it, it stands out from the normal colors and I really liked that. And I think they also did a good job with bounce light, which is what happens when you put your fingers in front of a bright light and you see the red shining through. That's that's what bounce light is. And I sound not normal. I'm just I'm just thinking <laughs> that this is like an audition for drawn to trek as opposed to discovering trek, because I think you and Aaron would be having a conversation about drawing qualities in digital art. Uh, I don't know how to follow that up. I guess I'll just pass it over to uh, one of you guys. If you want to, if you want to lay on some of the detail of what you liked from this episode without getting into the other sections. My general thoughts on the whole show. I like, I really like the art style. It's very, 
Clone Wars esque, but um, I think it's I think I like the comic book aspect of it. Um, well, that's interesting. I don't think I've heard of it referred to in like the comic book, uh, you know, as a as a comparison before. That's actually a cool thought. Well, I I I not necessarily the art style itself, but the characters look like they would go very well in a comic book style art. Mm. So I think that's why in my mind, it just feels almost comic book, more comic booky than it probably is. Mm-hmm. But so I, like the, I, oh, like the actu- I like the actual art style. I think I'm going to be mentioning it in literally every episode we have ever. Yeah, probably. So, Jamie, how about the old man's perspective? Well, I I do really like the show so far. Um, A lot of things, obviously, as we get deeper into this episode of talking about it um, that that I'd like to go into detail on. But there's a lot of things I really appreciated, obviously, this time around the opening sequence, the music and the art style, obviously. Um, I'm I'm starting to figure out, though, that I don't really like Dal as a character. (laughs) And I'm sure we're going to talk about that a little later on. Oh, yeah. I'm finding him quite annoying uh, in the beginning here. Um, But I I feel like this episode was a great follow-up to the pilot. Um, A lot of very powerful scenes in this episode um, that obviously I'm going to get into detail a little further. But um, I really like the brig scene uh, between um, our two characters, Rock Talk and Gwen. I thought that was very powerful. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, and then, you know, some interesting things, some interesting mysteries were kind of alluded to in the, this episode. What's the mystery that's going on in the engine room? And also, <laughs> what's that mystery that Dal is hiding? You know, so mm. I like that there were some questions and things that were kind of set up in the this uh, second episode. So some of the things that I uh, enjoyed from this episode without going into too much detail, um, I mean. Murph is just pretty awesome uh, regurgitating on zero uh, from the top bunk and then uh, eating the, eating the captain's chair in like a critical situation. You know, that's, that's his contribution. Um, The vehicle replicator. I mean, is that not the coolest thing that we've seen so far? I mean, <laughs> I, I was I was going to talk about this in the the later part. Yeah, like no, I, everything you just said. <laughs> yeah, no, I I, lo- I loved the vehicle replicator, and and you know it 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 just goes to show you once again the advantages to doing stuff in animation, and you know mm-hmm. we've kind of seen this with lower decks where they've gone to territories that the live actions couldn't do, like right. cetacean ops. We just saw, you mm-hmm. know, in the season finale of Lower Decks. So this is the benefit of animation is you can do things that you've never seen before. It probably would have been very cost prohibitive to try to do some sort of vehicle replicator on the live action shows, but not on an animated show. So yeah, that was something I thought was, yeah. was really cool I, as well. I also, I also think uh, with a show like lower decks, which is animated, their goal is, is trying to be funny. So it's not with a show like lower decks, you wouldn't see something that, cool mm-hmm. necessarily because they're 
trying to put a twist on it that makes it funny. So I really liked the. F- I I'm really excited about the fact that we have a comedy Star Trek animation show and we have a like a more serious one Star Trek yeah more serious Star Trek uh, animated show. But I I personally like the fact that blast shields have become a normal thing now. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll mention that in the next section. So one other thing that I found interesting. So in episode one, we see the diviner inside that tank thing the whole time. And then in episode two, he's outside of his tank. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where things go from there. uh, As far as in the tank, out of the tank, Uh, Dal actually even references it at some point um, during the episode. So that's another thing. Um, he gets into a suit, right? Right. Yeah. That reminded me of Star Wars in terms of more so of the incubator with Darth Vader, where as soon as he gets out, he has to get into his suit because mm-hmm. otherwise he, he dies. Not... Well, yeah. I don't think he dies I, I... unless he has his helmet off, but he doesn't want to be seen like in that one scene where somebody sees him in his incubator and then he kills them. I, I know I'm going to keep, you know, harping on this point and saying this over and over again. And I know it was covered last week, but I really feel like I'm watching Clone Wars when I watch this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I get a, such a strong and, and and not that that's a bad thing. Right. Um, exactly. Clone Wars is a very strong show, but, you know, but it, I feel it's very different than like Star Wars Rebels. You know, I just mm-hmm. I, I feel Clone Wars all the way. The structure of the episodes, the structure of the villains, um, the look of the show, it just it really strikes me as Star Wars, the Clone Wars. The and- look, the look of the villains specifically, like the way that Gwen and and the Diviner look, it just looks like a Clone yeah. Wars villain to it, me. It, it reminds me of, you know, um the Inquisitor and or um you know, Vasa um uh, Ventress. I'm trying to think of her first name. Asajj Ventress. You know, like the um, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying. The the Sith apprentices that you've seen throughout the show. It, it just it has those vibes. The coloring, the animation, the way they use the light in the animation as well. It's got that very dark feel to it. Um, but it's just Clone Wars all the way uh, in my mind. Yeah, with the villains, that's something that I was going to say with the Inquisitors. Um, The way that the Diviner looks like he has higher cheekbones and like a more prominent face structure and it was sharper, it definitely reminded me of the Inquisitors. And he was very pale, but so is Gwen. Yeah, that's obviously part of their uh, part of their heritage there. Uh I'm going to mention something that uh, you mentioned, Jamie. Um, really not liking Dal in this episode. Um, you know, there was a little bit of touching on it last week in uh, Lost and Found, uh, but this week you really see his arrogance and his want to kind of be the one in charge when he doesn't have a whole lot to go on as being in charge. So he, he just, I, he seems like a brat to me in this episode. How about that? 
I, I definitely feel the exactly the same way, but I'll definitely go into way more detail on the last part. That's kind of where I'm talking about Dow for, for my specific. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you know, it's tough because obviously we're, we're seeing the first couple episodes and we're trying to develop relationships with these characters. Um, but the writers very early on have made him an unlikable character. Now, there could be a reason for that. Maybe they're trying to develop his character arc throughout the season Mm -hmm. to make him a more likable character make you, you know, want to root for him. But, but right now it's, you, you almost want to root against him. Um, you want to see him fall on his face and 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 just how he treats some of the other crew members. Mm -hmm. Um, it's almost like he's, he, he, he lacks self-confidence. There's something like I mentioned earlier, a mystery behind him somehow that obviously is going to be talked about later on as the show goes on, but he has kind of a bully um, type personality as well, where he, he's kind of bullying some of the other characters. And um, like I said, it's just, you know, if this is the, the character that you're riding the coattails of, or, or, you know, making it the number one character in the show. I, I really feel like they're, they're making him very unlikable in, in this beginning here. Yeah. And I kind of feel like you were saying there, uh, there, there's obviously a reason behind that. Um, some kind of lesson that's going to be learned from Dal as a character, uh, you know, a redemption arc. Um, and I'm probably going to get into it in the Starfleet Academy section a little bit. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, uh, on face value right now, Dal's not very likable. But, you know, as a side point, though, I mean, maybe it's a representation of the target audience. Like, maybe he's how a lot of kids are. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I mean, maybe maybe the audience is watching him as a character saying, well, I'm like that. And maybe there's going to be, like you said, some sort of redemption that that makes him a more likable character and maybe something that the audience can build on, um, you know, cause like I said, I'm going to make some more analogies of the mm-hmm. audience and the, and the crew, but you know, maybe, maybe that's what they're, they're trying to achieve. I don't, I don't know, but at the end of the day, he's a very annoying character. <laughs> yeah. Well, fortunate, fortunately the two in the target audience that are on this show uh, do not have Dal's qualities at this moment. At this moment. Please specify how you would like to proceed, sir. So how about callbacks? Uh, Now, Blake, I know you said you had a callback, so I'll I'll start with you because I think you said you only had the one. Well, I'm thinking of a couple now, but obviously Janeway. Mm -hmm. I think that's a pretty big one. I I don't know, but (laughs) yeah, um, I I think it's cool how they did the hologram thing. That's very... I don't know. That's also actually very Clone Wars-esque, like the whole holograms, but that was also in Star Trek too. I don't know. A lot of similarities in the Mm -hmm. two of them. (laughs) Well, I mean, they're, they're, they're taking something that was very successful in bringing kids to the Star Wars franchise. I mean, why, why mess with something if it, you know, if it worked one time? Yeah, it reminded yeah. it reminded me of the star maps, which I guess it technically was, but it was also like a presentation. It was a little bit of everything. 
Um, another one is the the food replicators. I always thought those were so cool, but I also realized how fat I would be if I had one of those things. <laughs> like that would be like incredible, but I would have to like not be able to use it like i would be able to only be able to use it like once a day because that'd be so that'd be that'd be bad for me i don't know it's tough when everything's free (laughs) i know (laughs) jamie what about you what did you uh grab for callbacks on this one well it was a lot of things in the in the hologram sequence i'm sure we could go on and Mm -hmm. on um some of the specific ones that i picked out um uh the itic symbol uh Right. I saw that, you know, the, the, the Balkan symbol. Um, but one thing, obviously, I know we just talked about Janeway being a callback and obviously that was a main callback for me as well. But what's interesting is I didn't really feel comfortable with Janeway initially. Um, and when, when the show, when, when the episode kind of started, you know, because it's not the form that we're familiar with, it's, it's a hologram, mm-hmm. You're kind of wondering what to expect, but what made me feel comfortable with the Janeway character was the callback when I saw her pick up that coffee. Yeah. I know it's a small thing, but that made me feel at home with the Janeway character because she was carrying that coffee, even as a hologram, because yeah. um, that was something she was known for. So that, that was something that I picked up right, right down to the same style coffee mug that she used to drink from. All right, Emma, I know you've been dying to say what your callback from this episode was, so go for it. Blast shields. Blast shield. Goes um, up and it comes down. Blast shield. Uh, during the hologram sequence, I also noticed there was Spock, which he played yeah. um, an important part in the Federation. Obviously, as we found out in Discovery, he merged Vulcan and Romulus which was definitely very important and he got them led them to it let it led to them joining the federation which was very big so yeah so uh when i when i was going through i noticed that there was actually a tie to every star trek series so far um, uh, maybe Picard is left out because Picard hasn't happened yet at this point. Um, but Spock, like M said, um, original series. Um, so from the next generation, they, they talked about instead of fighting the wave, turning around and riding the wave. Um, I know Jamie will remember that directly from times squared. Instead of fighting it, riding right into the middle. Um, The rocky start of the Federation brings you back to Enterprise. Um, In the holographic simulation, there's uh, 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 a shot of the Defiant. There's a shot of the Voyager. And there's a shot of the Discovery all in there. And then, like Em said, the Blast Shield. So I think the only thing there wasn't a tie to was Picard. And again, that hasn't happened yet in this timeline. So pretty cool that they called on all of those and, uh, and we're able to integrate them in library computer data being received. So now we move into our Starfleet Academy portion of the show. 
Star Trek has always tried to teach the audience something about itself. And now prodigy is bringing that to the next generation. So uh, again, we'll start with our guests, Blake and Jamie, uh, and you can go in whatever order you choose. Uh, In your opinion, what is this episode trying to teach yourself uh, a younger audience, whatever you, whatever you think is the case. Um, I know for me, a part that I, the theme or the moral was you shouldn't be afraid or feel you're too good to ask for help because everyone needs help at some times and you're never too good to need help because everybody's imperfect, even in in that part of the galaxy, <laughs> even in that galaxy. But um, I felt that was a good moral for the audience as well, because I know kids don't like to ask for help, except when they really want to ask for help and they're annoying about it. <laughs> So, M, do you want to you want to touch on that since that's pretty close to what your thought was? Yeah, I noticed that, and it it ties to me in some way because I hate asking for help because I'm afraid that I'm going to bother everybody that I ask for help, even if it's something that I need to get done, like schoolwork. And they specifically say, if you need help, ask. I won't ask because I'm worried that they're busy and then they won't be able to talk to me. So that's definitely something that I'm sure other people struggle with. And it's not just me. All right. So I'm going to get very philosophical here. I feel like, and especially the second time I watched this episode, um, a lot of things clicked for me for the theme of the overall theme of the show and, you know, some, some different things. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw this at you. Obviously, we saw the pilot and it introduced our characters, but I feel like this episode here really set up the overall theme of the show. And what I what I feel the writers and creators are trying to do is they are trying to make a comparison between this crew and the audience that's watching this show. And what I mean by that is when we looked at Janeway talking to the crew, right, they're inexperienced. They don't know what the Federation is. They don't know what Starfleet is. In some ways, they don't know what Star Trek is. And to me, that's really true of the audience that they're trying to reach. They're trying to reach that next generation of of viewers. And so they're, they're almost pretending that you don't know what Star Trek is if you're watching this show. And in that one little sequence there with Janeway, is really her speaking to the audience. Okay. You don't know what Star Trek is. This is what Star Trek is. This is what the Federation stands for. This is what Starfleet stands for. And they said one word in that hologram message that really kind of stuck out to me and resonated to me. And it was equality. Um, So I really feel that this show is really trying to hit home the point of equality. And you see it threaded throughout this entire episode where you know, Dal is trying to, you know, assume control, be a bully, take command of the ship. And, you know, other, the other crew members are not really knowing their place and not really feeling a part of it. And 
I just feel like that theme of equality is going to be highlighted throughout the entire show. And they're kind of weaving that and they're almost treating this crew like the, like an audience of young viewers that are watching this show and they don't know what Star Trek is, but they're going to learn what it is and they're going to learn what it stands for. And they're going to learn what it means. And that's a heavy thought. <laughs> I had, I hadn't thought of it from, from that perspective, but yeah, I think, uh, I think you hit the nail right on the head. That's a, that's a pretty good, uh, it's a pretty good comparison. So one of the things that I took away from this is the thought of uh, what most people know of as the golden rule uh, do to others, what you would want people to do to you, uh, or even the thought of practicing kindness, even when someone doesn't reciprocate it to you. Um, and I saw that, right away from rock talk you know here is a a character who knows nothing but the rule over her by by someone who is just trying to use her uh for what she's able to do as a being and even though gwyn is the diviner's daughter um she wants to make sure that she's cared for, even though, uh, like she mentions when she brings her food in the brig, you know, you, you never treated us well, you know, even though we hadn't done anything, you, you never treated us well. But uh, essentially, she was saying, I'm still going to treat you good, even though you didn't. So I mean, that right there, I think, is an important lesson. <laughs> let's face it, not just for kids, uh, but for adults as well to, you know, be kind to others, even when they're not reciprocating that to you, be the bigger person. Yeah. You know, Mike, obviously I wanted to really talk about that scene um, in the, the medal of honor section. Um, because to me, I feel like that scene was the most powerful scene in the mm-hmm. entire episode. Um, it was powerful. And it, and it really resonated with me, you know, to me, uh, the adult audience, the child audience, you know, that, that phrase that she said, you know, we are not criminals. The only crime we committed was getting caught. And then she gives her the, the food. Um, and, and even the scene before that, where she's with the replicator and she orders the only food she knows um, she didn't because she doesn't know anything else. Her entire life has been in captivity, but yet, even though that's all she knows, she still knows how to treat people right. And, and to me, that was such a powerful, powerful scene. And it really kind of lends me into even what my theory is. I know we're going to be talking about it later, but where I think the show is going to go in, in the future. So I'll wait to talk about that. Think you and I have done too many shows together because we're kind of thinking alike on a lot of things. Uh, so Emily and uh, and Blake, any thoughts on on that from from I the really, kids' perspective? I really like I really like the food replicator scene. That um, I don't know that that I mean it obviously shows that she's been in captivity her whole her entire life. But it's it's funny, though, because she almost feels embarrassed because of it. But like it's again, it's the only thing she knows. So 
it, she shouldn't really feel embarrassed, but you can tell she's a very insecure character. Mm. Self-conscious. Yep. Self-conscious, but you can, you can see that she's still making, making others happy is definitely, you can see is what makes her happy. It's interesting too, though, even how they, the creators designed her as a character as well. Cause you look at that pilot episode, everybody immediately thought that she was a male and that she was a big, powerful, older individual. And then when the, um, when the universal translator came into play, all of a sudden you realize this is a child who is young, very inexperienced, very immature, but yet she's this huge creature. That's very powerful. Um, so to me, that's, it, it's such an interesting way that they created this character. Um, and, and like I said, once again, plays into this idea of equality and, um, how we treat people or how we judge people based on looks alone, or, you know, the first time we're meeting somebody. And like I said, it's really powerful. And I'm, I'm really liking her as a character. Um, I, th- I think it's, I think it's a character that people are really going to be able to latch on to. Um, well, first of all, Jamie, I just want to say, I find it interesting that you said the rock talk seemed immature. I feel like she's probably one of the most mature people on the show other than maybe zero and Gwen. Well, what, when I say immature though, I, I, I meant that in a way of like, yeah, like you could tell she's young and experienced. Yeah. I, I, I don't mean that in a way of like, she's acting, you know, terribly. Yeah. Like I, I mean it in a way of, yeah, she's that she, she's the yeah. least experienced character. Yeah. Different like immaturity from Dell. But what were you saying about Dal? I feel, you feel like, like- Dal is going to get a lot of crap later on. <laughs> Yep, um, I agree. So you want to get into your point? Oh, go ahead and finish what you were saying, Em. I was going to say something, but then I forgot. So I don't know. Um, well, you can get into your point then if you want. Yeah. Um, we see Dow kind of wanting to take control of everyone else and wanting them to only do what he wants them to do or what he wants and that he doesn't care about what they think or what Janeway thinks. And that was very important because his, um, you know, immaturity and, you know, um, it led them to almost dying until he finally realized the error's ways and was like, okay, Maybe I need help. And it's definitely very important to listen to authority, especially when they're older than you, because they've lived a lot longer than you have. And they know more than you, probably. Um, And they're trying to give you advice so that you don't get hurt, which is what almost happens. And it's very important to also work together with the people that you're around, because if you don't, then what happens in this episode will happen then. I mean, it all turned out good in the end, but that's because it's Star Trek. 
I'm sure that if it was real, it prob- they probably would be dead. Well, and it turned out good, too, because he did the things you just said. You yeah. know, he, he decided to listen to what Janeway had to say. He decided to work as a team and use Zero's idea. Yeah. And if he hadn't listened to Zero and followed that advice, they definitely wouldn't have made it out alive because, I mean, other people know what they're talking about, too. Not just you. So I was gonna say, oh, sorry. I no, uh, I was gonna say the only problem was it took him o- to almost die to have to realize that 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 is the problem. Well, and it makes you wonder if he'll learn from this. Probably and, not, and make changes, or if this is going to be the same thing that we see on a consistent basis. I'm going to talk more about this later, but I feel like it's probably going to be a consistent thing where he finally figures it out after they've had many more experiences like this, where he finally realizes that he's being immature and there are actual lives at stake, which obviously doesn't always happen in real life i don't think any of us are going to be on a starship anytime soon but that doesn't mean that speak you for yourself attention what speak for yourself i mean just because now there aren't lives at stake if you don't work with the people that are around you you could lose your job or you could fail a class it applies to everyone in different ways this show is is too serious. When I watch a kids show, I just I I would I if I watch a kids show, I I'm watching it to have my brain just like melt. This is this is not. So so what Blake is saying is that he would prefer to watch Paw Patrol then. Oh yeah, all day long. <laughs> like to take a moment to talk about Fansets, the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Did you know that it's been five years since Fansets has been providing us with top-notch merchandise? It's hard to believe, but in that time, they've been providing us with offerings for all different types of fandoms, including Scooby-Doo, DC Comics, Batman 66, Harry Potter, and Rick and Morty. And Prodigy looks like it's going to be offering us a number of awesome pin ideas uh, so that we can be spending lots of money for the Fansets team to be able to put into even more cool products. Uh, As discussed before, we've seen the cool Delta that Janeway is wearing. So we hope to see that soon to add to the insanely detailed Delta collection that Fansets puts out. So keep an eye on fansets.com for that and over 300 officially licensed Star Trek pins, including the aforementioned Delta collection, as well as micro crew pins, which we are bound to see these guys in the micro crew pins, episode pins, and many other great designs. So, Put a whole bunch of pins in your carts at fansets.com.
As a listener to the show, you can receive 10% off your next order from Fantas by using the code DISCOVERINGTREK at checkout. And remember that you receive free shipping in the U.S. on orders $30 or more. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. So now we're going to transition into our medal section, the Christopher Pike Medal of Honor. So I'm going to call on all on our panel today to pick out at least one of their favorite things from this week's episode. But as mentioned in the outline, you can include up to three things. So um, I'm going to put M on the spot. I'm going to make her go first here. So what are your medal of honors or medals of honor i guess it's okay i'm going first then i don't have to think about it i really liked the arm thing that gwen is wearing it's really cool and i i really like it and i want a morphing weapon yeah i want to see more of that definitely well it's to the arts I really liked the color com- I really liked the color combinations. I think that they they go really really well together. And this is um also about the characters, like the development, especially with Gwen in my opinion, she calls all of them criminals and then she says my father told me which is a sign of manipulation, like I talked about in the last episode. So I really like that point of how she has no clear reason as to why they're criminals, but just because her father told her that they were, that they are in her mind. So I think that that's really interesting. And I really like that develop like you know backstory you want to see it developed more yes all right so so blake what do you have for your medals of honor one of my medals of honor goes to murph obviously um he is obviously the best character there's there's no denying that um I mean, let's let's see Dell try and need some furniture, um, and then throw <laughs> it up, and then throw it up later. Um, but he's he's definitely it's always you always have to have that pet slash companion on every animated show or any show at all because that's always I think if there is like a live action show with which kids are less likely to watch. I think if it has that pet slash companion, they're always going to be more likely to go and watch that because that's usually where all the fun is and everything. So I think that really will draw the audience, the of, of kids 
and everything. So I think that's that's really good. I know if I ever read, had wrote a show, there would definitely be a pet slash companion. <laughs> um, I'm going to mention the art style again because it really is that good. But, you know, it's it's amazing how how art has come so far over the years and uh i just really like that so cool jamie all right so i got three things that i like two of them we've already talked about quite extensively so i'll mention them briefly but um like i mentioned earlier um that moment between rock talk and gwen uh to me is you know really what the episode is all about that that sequence between the two of them talking um so that was that was my first one my second one was the vehicle replicator i really loved that i loved just seeing that and then the fact that they did a fight sequence in the middle of it was really cool um and the last thing that uh gets my medal of honor here is pog and I'm going to tell you why this episode, he reminded me of Kevin from the office. Like, <laughs> I love it. Right. It's Kevin from the office. However, he's smarter than Kevin from the office, but he still reminds me of him when he goes to get the food out of the replicator. I'm thinking spilled beans all over the place. You know, just how he talks, his mannerisms. I'm thinking Kevin from the office all the way. So that's my, that's my medal. Can I say something real quick? Go for it. So far, Jankum Pog hasn't spoken much. So I'm thinking, why waste time? Say that word when few words do trick. (laughs) Nice. So my medals of honor. Uh, first off, I'm going to start with, uh, Chad Quant, the writer of this episode. Um, you know, as we've kind of discussed already, it's difficult to be able to make an episode interesting and be able to teach a lesson behind it. But at the same time, like you mentioned, Jamie, be able to kind of, thread in these educational aspects about a 55 year old franchise uh, into that storytelling. And he did a, he did a nice job of being able to thread all of these different things together, as well as continue on this storyline of Dal and, you know, where we all think he's going to be going uh, from there. Uh, My second one Uh, It was going to be for the animation team, and I don't want to take anything away from them. Uh, So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to cheat a little bit. And the second award is going to be a combined award between the animation team and Dr. Aaron McDonald, the science consultant on Prodigy, in being able to work on this whole, well, not a concept, but be able to put into art form the um, white dwarf ending the red giant um, and how all of that was put into that um, artistic concept uh, as well, uh, really making that, that awesome 
look that we saw when they were in the deepest of trouble there. Finally, um, she got one of my awards last week. She's going to get another one of my awards this week. Riley Alizaraki, Rock Talk, um, for some of the things that we've already talked about. I mean, my heart broke in the uh, in the mess hall when she said, you know, this is the only food I've ever eaten. And it was like a nutritional supplement that was just given to keep the the unwanted alive so um you know she continues to become my probably my favorite overall character in the series um you know not taking anything away from uh from murph uh murph is awesome and so is jankum pog i i love the two of them but for i think what we're gonna see for character development i'm really loving rock talk and uh riley's portrayal of him of her Ugh. that was a that was a faux pas obviously me saying murph is my favorite character that's that's because any pet is gonna be my favorite character but overall as a character with feelings and cannot eat furniture. Rock Talk is definitely I can I can see I'm growing to love that character and just the overall thought of this huge creature that has this soft voice and this very soft insecure personality. Am I the only person in this room whose favorite character isn't Rock Talk? Like I actually yes. want to know. I mean, I. Um, I think in the end, I think that's going to be my favorite character. Well, and she's it, mine. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I think I like her right now, but I, I like, I like Pot Jenkin Pot as well. Um, you know, I, I the pro the problem is is Dal is so unlikable right now that <laughs> it's like you'll take anybody. Yeah, you're you're gonna pick anybody <laughs> um, but him. I, I do I, think. I, I do think, and I, and this is kind of leading into my transwarp conduit a little bit, but you know, I think I'm going to eventually like Gwen once her character really gets fleshed out. Um, that's that's but, my favorite character right now. Yeah. No, I believe me. I can a hundred percent see why. And, you know, I could honestly, if, if the character develops the way I think she's going to develop, she'll, she'll probably end up being mine as well. I, I think it'd be really cool if Gwen, if I know the way the story is probably going to go, and I don't want to talk about it too much because that where it's going to be talked about later about how the series is going to go. But I, I think it'd be really cool if Gwen, if in the end, um, if Dal, as this could be another, um, another, lesson though there could be multiple lessons that could be like learned in the end but i think a cool a cool one although i don't think it will happen is dal stepping down and gwen becoming the leader i think she'd make a great leader especially compared to how dallas doing right the second yeah i i think that that's well there's a low chance of that happening i really like that idea and i really want to see it now 
Okay, so now we're going to take our transwarp conduit to the Delta Quadrant. So, based on this week's episode and previous storylines that we've had from episode one, what do you think could happen either next week or as the season progresses? So, can I call on you first for this, Em? Yes. Um. I definitely think that Dal is definitely going to have more trouble asking for help and understanding and, you know, listening to his crew. It's definitely not something that can be cured overnight. And I say cured because he has problems. Um, But um, I feel like we're going to see that and it's going to be a long development and we hopefully we'll get there eventually but that's just a little thing that i think will continue on okay interesting the men rogers let's have your thoughts um i i definitely think it's going the classic route of someone who you can tell is probably going to be the leader is kind of a jerk at first. And then he's going to have a, a character arc and he's going to end up being a great leader, which that is obviously used a lot, but I mean, it is, it, it, it really gets across a great message. And, you know, I think it's really hard to come up with, a really original character arc for a leader figure in a fir- especially in a first season because in most shows you have to establish a leader figure and you obviously want to make that character be- character likable but i know probably in writer's mind making a character unlikable at first and then watching them grow I think, I don't know, I may be completely off base here, but I think in a writer's mind, that makes the audience feel more connected with the character, seeing them grow and seeing them become better over time. Um, but like I said before, I it would be really cool to see him step down. And I almost think that'd be a great lesson too. Sometimes you just need to step down and let other people lead, but I don't see that happening. Um, But I mean, they have, they, there's definitely different places they could go, but I do see it going in the way that Dal is going to develop, but definitely right this second, I'm not liking him too much, but you know, I bet I, I bet I'll like him more in the end. I hope so, because you know it would be nice to at least like the char- have some kind of like for all the characters. I think it's cool that he's purple. That's 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 my that's what he has going for him right this second. Actually, I think he's blue. No, he's purple. I think he's blue with purple accents. But he, I think he's, he's blue. He's, he's purple with like to me. He's purple with like blue shading almost. Or maybe he's like blue, or purple tinted blue. 
I'm sure Jamie likes the fact that he's purple. Absolutely. All right, go for it, Jamie. All right, M, listen up, because I think you're gonna like I think you're gonna like my transwarp conduit to the Delta Quadrant. So I think the obvious, and Blake kind of touched on it, and I think most people think the obvious character growth is gonna be with Dal. Um, I actually disagree. I think the most character growth we are gonna see in this show is from Gwen. Um you know, I think she's starting off the show. You're you're seeing her as a character that she's judgmental. Obviously, how she was raised, how she was taught, how to view people, um, was to 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 judge them. You know, to be an overlord to them. And I think we're going to see that her character really develop as the show goes on. Um, and we're going to see that she's going to become a very important and valuable cog in this crew. But what I think is going to happen at some point in this season. And it's going to be a very huge turning point in the show and a turning point in the season is at some point, her father is going to be in a situation where he can capture the crew or get her back. And it's going to be a pivotal moment in the show where she's going to have to make a decision as to whether to go with her father and abandon her crewmates or help them out in that moment and get them to safety or get them to freedom or get them away from her father. And I think ultimately she's going to choose to go with them. Um, and it's going to be a huge turning point in the show, a huge turning point in the series and kind of really, you know, propel her character. You know, she's going to slowly start to, you know, and we kind of saw those beginnings of that relationship once again, between her and, and, and rock talk with, that conversation at the break, we see the the walls starting to kind of come down where I, where I see where this show is heading. And at some point, the rest of the crew is going to have to rely on her for something. And she's going to step up to the plate and choose them over her father or choose them over escaping off of that ship. So I think she's going to be a pivotal character um, to the, the plot of this season. I think that it's also really the main thing is that, after she decides that she's going to help them that she needs to open up to them because we we see that she's not devoid of emotion in the first episode she helps or tries to help the vacation yeah and she says don't bring another one as young as this again which is really nice and you know, important to that. It's definitely not something that I would expect to see with someone who was raised by someone who seems as villainous as the diviner. Well, you know, what's interesting though, is you see the diviner, he has a tremendous amount of love for her and, you know, he cares about her as, as his child. However, he withholds a lot of information from her. And I, and I think that's going to play an important role is, is she's going to see the openness of this crew and their ability to work together and their ability to trust one another, especially in challenging situations. And, you know, there's a lot of information that's being withheld from her. Why did the proto, why was the proto star there? You know, and, and it's mentioned a lot in the first episode that her father's withholding a lot of information or not telling her his plans um, that's going to be an issue for her. And it, it like I said, it, it, it's, 
I think it's going to make or break whether she decides to trust this crew that really has no business being together and has, she really has no business trusting them and they have no business trusting her, but somehow she's going to become an important part of this crew and, and really propel this arc of this season. And I'm, I'm sorry to keep this going on, but um, I feel like him withholding information is going, once she finds out what he was keeping from her, she's going to, you know, ultimately change her mind in the long run of that she doesn't want to stay with him. And I feel like it would end up leading to him if he could capture the protostar crew or have his daughter back, I feel like if it came to one or the other, he would choose to capture the crew instead. But that's, that's just my opinion. Interesting. Interesting. My thoughts. So first off, uh, I'm going to say my, my thought for last week was that doll's arrogance was going to lead him to make the crew angry at him wasn't thinking like this Uh, i i still think that that prediction is still out there for fulfillment uh so i'll I'll start there uh secondly um i messed i didn't mess up but i guessed last week that uh, the diviner had a name and that it was solemn and then i got corrected online uh by uh, Aaron Walkie, the producer of the show. Um, so, yeah, I was wrong. I was wrong. Mia culpa. Um, whatever. It, it was the first episode. I was trying to be. I was trying to think I was better than I am. I needed to be. Um, I needed to be humbled like Doll. So I got. I got humbled. There we go. All right. So for this week. While you're at it, you should stop saying Doll's name wrong. Ooh, thanks. <laughs> Man, as if I don't get it enough from my own kid. All right. So for this week, Janeway shows them the Federation and everyone on board seems to seems to say, let's go toward Federation space, except for Dal. And so him going in the complete opposite direction put them in harm's way. So I think they're going to be heading toward Federation space. And now that we see that uh, the diviner has left Tars Lamor to go after them, I think it's going to be a race for Federation space. And I think that how we're going to see Chakotay is that he'll be seeing the transponder for the protostar and he'll like be waiting for it to come toward federation space and he'll be the one that'll have to deal with uh guns blazing on the diviner at some point yeah i I feel like if we get to federation space it's not not gonna look good for federation you know what's interesting though you mentioned Dal being the only one not wanting to go towards Federation space. I I wonder if that has a component of his secret or Mm. what he's hiding. Um, The fact that he's continuing to avoid, you know, like when, when we're watching the hologram of the Federation, he didn't want, you know, 
maybe he knows more about the Federation than he's leading on, or maybe his past is in Federation space, you know, his species or whatever deep, dark secret he's hiding is in that direction, which is why he wanted to go the farthest direction away from it. You're only allowed one prediction per show though. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm building, I'm building off of yours. Or he's just being a brat, you know? Yeah. That was what I was going for, Blake. Well, well, it was just the way he was like saying it. He was like, no, I'm going to go to the red dot. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. where the danger is. Yeah, exactly. It was, I think it was more because he could have gone anywhere that was still technically away from Federation space, but he chose to go to the place that was in danger. So yeah, he technically was not going to Federation space, but he still technically could have gone not to Federation anywhere space, else. Yep. Anywhere else that is not straight into a collapsing star. Right. So that's where the brat part comes in. You know. <laughs> Don't forget that you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to bonus content on Patreon. Get access to unedited audio of all our podcasts and a lot of other perks. If you'd like to support this and the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, beam on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks, where subscriptions start as low as $2 a month. And for more great Star Trek discussion, check out the aforementioned member podcasts on the network. In addition to Discovering Trek, there is Trek Geeks, Rewind, Politrex, Five-Year Mission, Deep Space Pride, Infinite Trek, some show called The Divine Treasury, The Sci-Fi Sisters, and the newest shows Drawn to Trek, Science Station 2, and With the First Link. You can find all these shows and where to listen on trekgeeks.com slash listen or by downloading the Trek Geeks mobile app. The Trek Geeks podcast network. No one talks Trek like we do. So episode two taught us a lot about our characters and we look forward to seeing that be built as the season and the next few episodes go on. And join us again next week where we will have another younger co-host as we welcome associate producer to the network, Patrick Escudero, and his nephew, Nathan. Until then, never stop discovery. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.